we've been in this series now for a couple of weeks, and we've been talking about, you know, what do you do when you, when you don't know really what to do? Because all of us will face those times in life when, when we really are at the place that we are, what, where do we turn? You know, what, what choices do I have? When the pressure seems to be so intense that it's like, man, the top's going to blow at any moment. And, and I, I wanted to, uh, to share a, a sort of a memory verse with us. And we, we've talked about it the past couple of weeks. And I wanted to see if you would again read that with me today. Because this is a verse that we all ought to memorize. This is something you ought to put in your arsenal of verses that you memorize. Because God's Word is very important. And in those times when you're facing the difficulty, that you can go back to this passage of Scripture and remember God's at work doing something, and I don't have to turn around and run, but God, I, maybe I have the ability to sit down and listen. And so why don't, you, why don't you read this with me, and I think it's up on the screen with us, and this is out of Paul's writings uh, in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, and this is what he said, I'm going to read, read this along with me. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. You know, I got really tickled. I, I was home with my, I went home to, uh, to take my brother and, and my, my dad out for, for their birthday this past week. And uh, while I was there, they got a new pastor, and I guess I need to sort of heed the heed what they they were what they were telling me. The one of the guys had taken the pastor out, and this is the advice that he gave the new pastor. I couldn't believe they did this. They said, "Look, pastor, I just want to tell you that when, when it comes to quarter till twelve, he said, I just want you to tell you that you might as well go ahead and just sort of tune it on out. You know, just sort of stop because." Those of us old folks and those of us that are around here that have been around here for a long time, we start tuning the, pe- the preacher out at, at quarter till, okay? And so I just want you, want you to know that at quarter till, you just need to go ahead and cut it off. Can you imagine somebody would tell some, can you imagine that? So Daddy said that last Sunday he got up, and, and this is what he said. He said, well, he said, I have stood up and I have spoke up. And it's quarter till 12, so I guess I need to shut up. Because I was told that you guys stopped listening at quarter till, till 12. Well, I'm not going to be done by quarter till 12. I'll be done by quarter till 12, I, I hope. <laughs> Let me just review. You guys, are, y'all are not funny this morning at all. I figured that at least those people that were gator people and that would be a little bit more happier this morning. <laughs> you know, to go back and look over the past couple of weeks because we have been, what, what do you do when, when things are really tough? Because if you've been there, guys, when it gets tough, in those tough times, you really want to turn around and run, right? In those tough times, how many times... Do you want to, do you, when, when there's not a solution to the problem, how many times do we have an excuse or how many times 
Do we just want to run and we want to run far, far, far away from God? And well, in week one, we talked about what do you do in those times of adversity when you feel like God isn't, isn't listening? What do you do in those times when you feel like God has, has tuned a deaf ear to where you are? Because in the midst of that loneliness, that time that you face, it's really easy to come up with some lies, those lies that the devil wants to throw your way. It's really easy to come back and, and think for whatever reason it is that maybe God's out to get you or to, to come to the assumption that maybe God's angry with you or that he's wanting to punish you. But we talked about some of the truths in the scripture and what the scripture had to say. Um, and then last week we, we came back and we, and we talked again, um, you know, how do, we, how do we view? Because as a believer, we have an option to view those times not just as something bad is happening to us, but when those moments of difficulty come, we as a believer have an option to view those times as a gift from God that not only has a purpose, but also a promise. I don't know if you remember that. Because, and you know what, when we walk through the times of difficulty, the, the purpose may not be known until far, far away, but this is what I know, is that the promise is always there. And do you remember what we said the promise was? What was it, that, what was it that, that Paul heard? My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. And so we don't have to turn tail and run, but we can face those times of adversity with courage and with confidence. And you know, the other thing that we've learned and we've talked about on and off during this times is the people that wrote the scripture were not were not immune to difficulty. I mean, the people that we find that wrote the scriptures were people that faced difficult times and adversities and struggles just like us, Steve. I mean, these were people that walked through through tremendous times, tremendous struggles, and yet they themselves did not give up and not did not turn away, but they kept they kept holding on to their faith in spite of the struggles. Well, today, I want you to turn to the New Testament, and we're going to look in the book of Philippians, and we're going to see what Paul had to say about the issue of contentment. We want to read what Paul had to say, and we're going to look over in, the, in, in chapter 4. This is one of um, four letters that Paul would have written while he would have been in, in prison in Rome. Now, if, if I were going to define contentment, I might would define contentment this way. Everything on the inside is calm while everything on the outside isn't. That may be, may be pretty good. Everything on the inside is calm or peaceful when everything on the outside isn't. There's a picture. Um, I was watching a program with the kids the other day on TV. Uh, has anybody, anybody have a clue what that is? Some of these kids may know what it is. Antarctica. It's, it's the research center, uh, the Haley Research Center, where they house uh, the, the researchers. And I was, they just had this amazing program about how, how they have developed this, this housing complex for those that live there. And there's only a few people that come in and they do this research. Um, but it went on to talk about the details of how complex this housing facility is, but how safe this housing facility is because of the conditions that they many times face there in, in the Antarctica. 
So it's a, it is a, um, it is a movable housing complex. If you notice that it's on skis, you can't really see it from here, but it's movable. So it's, it's on skis. So at any time they can move it because they never know when the, the ice may break or there might be an issue. Um, they, it's on hyd- hydraulic lifts, so it goes up and down based on if there's the snow drift or how much snow, so it goes up and down. And then they talked about the thickness of the walls in, in the diagram, the, the engineering. And they said you can be in the most unbelievable um, storm and not even have a clue on the inside what's happening on the outside. And they said it's the most peaceful, one of the most peaceful places to be in the midst of a storm. A feeling, a sense of safety and contentment regardless of what's going on on the outside. And what we're going to see Paul say today is that there is a way to have that same sense of contentment in our own lives when things are falling apart. (laughs) And see, some of you may be at that place right now. And you're like thinking, but you have no clue what I'm walking through. I don't, but Paul does. You got to remember, when Paul is writing the words that we're going to read today, here's Paul in prison. Now, let me just give you a little bit of a picture of what's taking place. Paul's in, in prison, and he's in prison being held there up under a guy by the name of Nero. Anybody have any idea of history who Nero was? He was a pretty rough dude. Matter of fact, this guy didn't even like his family members. Re- uh, reports say that he killed his mother. Okay? He killed a couple of his wives. I don't know how many that he had, but it said that he killed at least two of them. That's a pretty bad dude. And they said that uh, at one point in time around 64 AD that he wanted to clean up the slums and he wanted to rebuild Rome. And so what he did was he set a portion of the city on fire and the city basically, it just, it, it just exploded. It just really got out of control. And so to, to sort of cover up what had taken place, he sort of blamed it on the Christians and said it was the Christians who did it. And it just caused even further persecution for the believers that were there. It was Nero, they said, that would take believers, Christians, and dip them in oil and set them on fire and put them in the gardens and light them so that they would light his gardens at night. That's the type of guy this this guy was. And here is Paul in prison up underneath this guy by the name of Nero. So you get a little bit of a picture of of the conditions that Paul was, was in. Paul, this go-change-the-world guy that had this attitude, and he's under house arrest up under Nero, and by all appearances, it looked as if Rome had won and as if God had, had lost. But Paul, instead of whining and complaining and griping and giving up, decides he's going to make use of his time. So during that time, he penned some, penned some letters. As a matter of fact, he penned several letters. One of those letters was to the church of Ephesus, another one to the church at Philippi, another one to the church at Colossae, and then he wrote a, a personal letter to a guy by the name of Philemon. And it was in those letters that he would write down some of the most valuable Christian literature that we have today. While in prison... Awaiting what? His death. Yeah. Everything on the outside. And yet here's Paul 
at peace on the inside. And so some people say that it was Paul's words that would totally change the Gentiles' view of God, and it was Paul's words that he would write that would end up undermining the Roman Empire. And it was Paul's words in Ephesus, to the words that, that he would write to the believers at Ephesus, that he would write these words, for by grace you're saved through faith, not of works. And it was there in Ephesus that he would, he would challenge husbands and he would say that, that, that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And it was there to the church at Ephesus and the believers at Ephesus that he would write down to, for them to remember that they wrestle not with flesh and blood, but they wrestle with powers and principalities and rulers of the dark world. And he would talk to them about putting on the full armor of God that they are that we are, not just they are, but we are in a, a consistent battle with Satan. And then he would go on to the church of Colossae, and he would write the words, and I put it on Facebook this past week, that we're to make allowance for each other's faults, forgiving one another, for especially those who offend you. Remembering the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And here's Paul writing that while being held in prison. pretty intense. And so all of these things that Paul is writing is flowing out of his heart and onto the paper during a very difficult time when things on the outside didn't look good. And you know, Paul's in prison not having a clue what was next. I want you to understand that. Because when we're in the midst of a difficult time, we have no clue what the outcome will be, and neither did Paul. Impending death. I mean, logical death, and yet some of Paul's greatest works would be written there in that place. Yet Paul would hold on to his faith, not knowing what would happen next. Um, can you imagine... What, will we, what we would be left without if Paul would have made the decision to give up while in that place, in that prison. Can you imagine what would it have been like if Paul would have said, God, where are you? There's no God. Can you imagine the works that would have been left and the impact that it would have left on Christianity? if Paul would have turned away from his faith while in prison. And in asking that, I wonder how many of us end up missing out on some of the greatest things because we end up walking away from God in the midst of struggles. I want you to turn over to the book of Philippians chapter 4. And I want you to look at at, chapter, at verse 10 with me today. And let me say this before I, I read. <clears throat> so here's Paul in prison. Word has gotten back to the church at Philippi. They have, they have, sent, um, they have sent a care package of some, some sort. They have sent a guy with some type of a care package, uh, Ephroditus, and they have sent it to Paul. It arrives on the scene. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever received anything. Meredith sent me a care package when I was in college of whoopie pies. Anybody know what a whoopie pie is? <laughs> Listen, man, you ain't lived until you've had whoopie pies. 
except they were about three or four weeks until they got to me by snail mail. So what was a whoopie pie ended up being a very uh, uh, unidentified flying object that was hard enough to kill somebody. I never told her that they were as hard as a rock. I just I kept telling her on the phone, oh, baby, they're so good, you know, and, you know, you're having to, like, break them with a chisel. But, uh, <laughs> oh. but, you know, to a college student, man, anything tastes good, right? It don't matter how hard it is. But this is uh, sort of give you that little picture of Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. So here it is, uh, Philippians 4, 10. This is what Paul has to say. How I praise the Lord that you're concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. So here he is in prison. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you've just taken time out to write somebody a note? Just to tell them how much they meant to you or to encourage them. When's the last time you saw somebody in need and you knew it instead of walking away or moving? When's the last time you've just pinned something to say, I just want you to know I was thinking about you today? When's the last time you sent them a text? That's really easy these days. You don't even have to put a stamp on it. When's the last time you sent somebody a text just to say, thinking about you? Wanted you to know I was praying for you. How many of you have ever got a, gotten a note from somebody and it happened to come at the right time and it was enough to sort of push you over the edge that day and, in, in, and to encourage you where you were at the place of almost giving up? Anybody ever been there? Yeah. So here it is. So... So, so Paul gets this, this word, he's writing back to him, and it, he comes to this point, and this is what he says. Not that I was ever in need, but man, it was sure good to hear from you guys. Man, it was great to hear from you. See, I thought that, I thought that maybe you had forgotten about me. But I'm not glad to hear about you because I'm anxious or because I'm overwhelmed or because, or because I'm at the point that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up. See, that's not really why I'm... I'm really, I'm really so glad to hear. I'm just glad to hear. He says, because you know what? I've learned. I've learned. In other words, I've come to the place that I've, I've come to understand something that's not instinctive, something that's not natural. I've learned something. It's been part of a process. And look at what he says that he's learned. He says, I've learned how to be what? Content. Remember? On the inside, when things on the outside aren't going well. For I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I'm internally okay. In other words, man, I've learned how to deal with things on the inside when things on the outside aren't going so well. I'm not stressing out. We have any stressors around here? I mean, we could probably have a class on stressing and you know and talking about contentment and we probably could fill the class up I mean because we all do that don't we yeah honestly we do that but here's Paul saying listen I've learned how to be content with whatever I have I mean think about all the stresses and the struggles these days that we have because of the lack of contentment and Paul is saying here is that Contentment isn't something that isn't unattainable, but it's possible that we can learn to be content. You can learn it. And he's saying that whatever circumstance that we may ever find ourselves, that we may, ever, that we may find ourselves in, that, that, that 
We might be feeling anxious. It might be, it might be um, stress or whatever it is. That whatever situation we may find ourselves, that there is a solution. Because Paul said, listen, I've learned. I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. And he goes on to say in verse 12, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. Now you've got the haves and you've got the have-nots. And he says, man, listen, I've experienced both sides. I know what it's like to have. I don't know what it's like to have not. And he said, I've not gotten so addicted to the times that I've had more than I needed that it's messed me up when I've not had enough. He said, I know what it's like. I know what it's like. I'm with or without. I've had a lot. And I've not had so much. But either way, it really doesn't matter. I'm okay. I'm okay. And he goes on to say that I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. And this is a huge And I don't really know if I understand this to the extent. But this is a really, really, really important passage right here. That, this little piece right here, I have learned the secret of living in every situation is a really, really important phrase. There's a word that Paul uses here that he uses that I can't seem to find any other place in the New Testament. It's a word that's in the Greek that's called moeo, which means learn the secret, or I have learned the secret of being content. And it was during that time in Paul's, in, 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 uh, in, in Paul's life, during that season in his life, for about several centuries, there was this, this thing that happened, cult mysticism, that you had to, uh, to sort of learn these secrets to be part of these groups or these organizations. You guys know, I mean, you growing up, do you ever have that, you ever have a part of a group, you had a special handshake or, you know, a, a fraternity in college? How many people were, were a part of a fraternity in college? Some of you may be embarrassed to even raise your hand. <laughs> you know, you had to learn like a, a, something special to be part of this group. Well, what Paul is saying here, he's saying, you know, I have learned that word sort of fits along. It was an initiation into that group. You had to be privy. That information, learn the secret so that you could be a part of. And it was a sign or it was a piece of information that nobody else knew. And this is what it seems that Paul is saying here when he uses this word that he doesn't use any, any place else. He's trying to grab their attention. He's saying, like, listen, I want you to hear what I'm trying to tell you, that I've got something that you don't have, that I've been initiated into this special group of people. Are you with me? I've learned something special that you don't know. You ever had your kids go, I know something you don't know. Here's Paul going, I've learned something you may not know. But I have. I've learned the secret. And I bet you want to know it. I can tell you what it is, but I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) So he's trying to entice them. Don't you want to know? He's trying to get them interested to, to know what it's like to be content. I mean, to be content in any and all sorts of circumstances, with or without. Could you, come on, Paul, tell me. Tell me what the secret is. Tell us what the secret is. I want to know. And they're sitting on the edge of the seat, and Paul is getting ready to tell them the secret of what it is of being content. And he shares with us probably what is one of the most probably one of the most 
used verses in Scripture next. But it's one of the most misused verses in Scripture. I just saw this the other day on a sports program. Here it was in the middle of the football field, and they're scanning the audience, and here's a sign that says, Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things. You know, I've seen that on billboards, and I've seen it on bracelets, and I've seen it on t-shirts, and I've seen it on bumper stickers, and I've seen it all over the place, and as well-meaning as it may be, it was wrong. Because that wasn't what Paul was saying. Here's Paul saying, I know a secret. I've learned the secret to being content. And let me share with you what it is. And he says, for I can do, in verse 13, everything. Now what is everything? Is that some things? Is that a few things? Is that most things? Everything is everything, all things. I can do all things, he says. Now, you have to understand from Paul's perspective the significance of what he's saying. Now, see, for me and you, our perspective is really important. Now, if you take from our perspective, our cell phone goes out, that's a really big deal, right? If you take from our perspective, we lose the internet, that's a really big deal. If you take from our perspective, the car breaks down, that's a really, really big deal. Now, if you go to Nicaragua and the car breaks down, most people don't even have a car. If you talk about the internet, in some of the places that I've been, they don't even have an internet. Don't even maybe they know what internet is. So it's all about perspective. And so here's Paul saying, I can do all things. And you're like saying, but Paul... Do you even have a clue? All things? All things really? Everything? Come on, please. All things? Paul's perspective was pretty tight. Listen, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, um, let me just read to you some of Paul's perspective from where he's coming. When Paul says all things, Paul's meaning all things. Listen to what he says here. He says, I've worked harder and I've been put in prison more often. And he says, I've been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. And five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods and once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked and once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. And I have traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers and robbers. I've faced dangers from my own people, the Jews as well as the Gentiles. I've faced danger in the cities and in the deserts and on the seas. I've faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long and enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry. I have been thirsty. I have often gone without food. And I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Perspective. Everything. You want to talk about perspective? Paul says, listen, man, I, I, I've learned that I can do all things. All things. I've learned the secret of being content when all that other stuff on the outside isn't going well. When everybody else tells me that I should quit, that I should give up, and I should throw in the towel. Paul said, look, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me strength 
strength. Through Christ, who gives me strength. And Paul wasn't talking about winning a football game. Paul was talking about surviving. That's what he was talking about. He was talking about fighting for his, for his life. And he wrote, man, listen, he wrote this in prison, not knowing when they were coming to get him. That's perspective. I can do all things. And you know what happens when we take that passage out of context is that we miss the secret of being content. And we see the signs at ball games and we see it at other places and even as well-meaning as it can be. We can miss out on what Paul is trying to say and what he's trying to teach because this is what he's trying to say. Listen, we can be fine on the inside even when junk on the outside is out of control. He says, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. His strength, not because of my strength, not because of my abilities, not because of my talents, not because of, of my smarts. He says, but because of his strength. And I, I, I read where this, this was summarized, and, and this is the way this little, little piece was summarized. I can't. I can't. He can. He can through me. I can't. I, I just, I can't. I'm, you know, I, man, I'm pretty smart. Well, I have to admit, I'm pretty smart. And I, you know, I, I carry, you know, I, I carry a big stick. Um, and, uh, and I, man, I can, I can do a lot of things. And I've got a lot of friends. And i got a little money. But, man, right now, what I'm facing and the issues that I'm dealing with and the struggles that are going on, I just, I can't because it's over my head. The struggles right now are so far beyond me. It's above me. It's beyond me. There's no sense me trying to pretend that I can but because I can't. I can't. And I'm just going to be honest with you and tell you right now, I can't do it. But he can. He, he can. Jesus can. And I know that he can. And I believe that he is able. And he can do whatever he wants to do. I know that he can because I know what happened then at that cross. Because I know what he suffered and I know what he endured. And I know that he died there on that cross. But I also know that he didn't stay there. I know that when he was buried that he was, he was only there for three days because then he was resurrected. And I know that there's power. And I know that he can. And Paul said, I can't, but he can. But he can through me. I can't, he can, but he can through me. Christ in me. In me. Christ in me. I can't do it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. No, I can't. Yes, you can. No, I can't. Yes, you can. Christ in me, Christ in me, Christ in me, yes, Christ in me. You might think about home and you go, I can't. He can, Christ in you, yes, 
You think about your job and you go, no, no, I just, I can't. Yes, yes, he, he can. He can. Christ in me. He can. In me. Through me. And you're going, but I don't understand it. <laughs> and it's that mystery. That mystery of Christ at work inside of us. And for some of us, that I can might be your health. It might be your finances. It might be a moment when you're by yourself and it's something that comes to mind from the past that you just can't get rid of. I can't. He can. But he can through me. See, there's no, there's no sense of satisfaction and there's no sense of contentment and there's no sense of peace and there's no sense of without Christ. Here's Paul. Paul in prison writing these letters, specifically this one letter to the church back at Philippi. And Paul is saying, you can. You can. All things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. You can do it. You can do it. See, at that moment in time when everything is falling apart and you're hanging on to that last thread and you're ready to drop, you can. You can. But not you. Christ in you. Christ in you. Um, and if you've not been there, you will be there at some point in time. And so what I thought I would do as we, as we begin to get ready to close out is I wanted to give you something that I felt would be helpful to you. And, and I'm just going to challenge you. I don't all the time do this, but I, I wanted to be able to challenge you with something that I felt you could take out of here, and this is something that you could apply. This is really helpful. So how many of you guys are up for a challenge? Let's try that one more time. How many of you guys are up for a challenge? Suckers. Let me see. <laughs> now listen, this is, this is really simple. It's not going to cost you anything. I won't even know if you've done it until you come back next week. And then I can look you in the eye. And I can say, Wanda, did you do this last week? And then if you don't tell me the truth, I'll know. Because you, know you know what people do when they're not telling the truth? They go, yeah, I did. No, I just want to give you a tool. That's all I want to do. I want to give you a tool. Seven days. Six days, seven days. For the next seven days, when you wake up, before your feet ever touch the ground, unless you happen to sleep on the floor, and some of you may have to sleep on the floor because of a bad back. I don't know about that. But before your feet ever touch the floor, this is what I want to challenge you to do, okay? Are you with me? Everybody game? Mm -hmm. This is what I want you to do. Very simple. Just want you to pray this. Before your feet ever touch the ground in the morning, you wake up, and listen, if you wake up and get out of bed, get back in bed really quickly, okay? <laughs> so get back in bed really quickly and just, and just utter these words, Lord, I can't, but you can. 
Lord, I can't, but you can. And I don't know what I'm going to face today, Lord, but whatever it is that I'm going to face, I can't, but you can. And so in the midst of that time, before you ever get out of the bed, just before your feet ever touch the ground, just utter the words, Lord, I can't, but you can. That's, that's simple, right? Isn't that really simple? Before you ever get out of the bed, before your feet ever touch the ground, just to utter the words, Lord, just a reminder to me, Lord, I can't, but you can. Paul said, I can learn to be content. And I can't, but, but you can. That's really simple. Seven times. Or the next, the next till we get together next week, seven, for the next seven days, I can't, but you can. And then when you get in bed at night, before you fall asleep, just to ask the Lord for wisdom in this area and to pray this, Lord, will you teach me what it means, what Christ in me means, what the significance of Christ in me means and that, and that power. Before you fall off to sleep, just a reminder, Lord, would you teach me what Christ in me means? Because there's probably something in people's lives that you're walking through that you can't change. And you may even feel prisoner to that thing right now. Something that you may be walking through that you can't change that's got you at that place that you are feeling discontented. You know, I just had, I had a text this morning. Would you please pray? They just found out in reference to cancer. Now it's not just, now it's not, um, it's, it's come back. And my, uh, my family is really struggling. I got a report this past week, dear friends of ours, um, elderly. They thought the cancer, her cancer was gone. It's been in remission. They went in to see the doctor to get a last report. You know, it's gone. It's great. And Louise walks out of the doctor's office not really knowing what to say because they looked at her and saying, Eloise, we just need to tell you the cancer's back. And you got three to five weeks to live. Surround your carotid artery. We didn't see this. And I don't know what it may be, and I had the greatest conversation with her on on Friday morning, just talking to her. I can't, but he can. And we talked about, but my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. I, man, I, how can I explain? I can't explain that, but my grace is sufficient. And you know what she did? She beat me to the punch. I didn't have to tell her. She beat me to the punch. She said, Sid, I know I've had, a, I've had a long life. She said, but you know God's grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. That circumstance or sickness, I don't know what it is, or that one thing. But I, this is what I want to say is that that place that you may be right now may be the greatest work that God's will do in your life because God has a, a way of doing some of his greatest works in those places of adversity. Paul's in prison and look at what flowed out. Some of you, I know you and I know some works have flowed out of your life because of great adversity and I could call it out today. Some of the great things that God has done in your life and as a result of painful circumstances that you have walked through. But in those painful places, God has a way of doing great things. But I wonder what God may do. So as we close out on the service today, I just want to say this. I, 
I, I just want to remind you, I can't, but he can. But he can through me. And I want us to be able to hold on and, and remind ourselves that, God, I don't want to miss I don't want to miss the secret of contentment. I don't want to miss the secret of contentment. But I want to have a better understanding of what it means that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because, see, his strength is perfect. I don't understand it. It's hard to explain. But if you've been there, you understand it. You know what I'm talking about. But whatever it is in your life that may be driving discontentment right now, this is a great song they're going to sing to maybe just, maybe a great time for you just to, to turn it over to the Lord and say, Lord, I, ca I can't. I can't. But you can. And Lord, you can through me. Would you allow me to experience your strength even today? Even today. You may be at a place today that you need to even come and, and, and even pray up here. Um, I'm going to even ask if our overseers would come and stand. If you guys would stand. Maybe there's people that would like to come and pray this morning. Maybe there's a just you'd like for somebody to come and pray. Maybe you're here today and you don't understand this stuff about Jesus and about power and about strength and you know we can't solve it on our own man our hope doesn't come from our abilities and it doesn't come from our 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 smarts or our intellect our hope doesn't come from the fact that we don't have any complications in life but our only hope comes from Christ and what he did on the cross 2,000 years ago and so as Brian and the group as they sing this song his strength is perfect just ask that, man, as you, as you talk to the Lord, maybe the song would minister to you. And overseers, if you're here, would you come on and stand? Because if you'd like for somebody to pray with you, they'll be here during this time. Mm -hmm.